We are serious about our mission and our vision, and uh, we really want to stop the whole issue of talk, but to be about action. So we're, you know, every so often you're going to see us in these um, items, reinforcing the issue of connecting people by creating places for them to belong, teaching them to believe in God, and going them to behave in Christ. And we want you to really get that in your spirit. So we're going to over-communicate like crazy so that we can really be who God would have us to be. If you were at 2 Corinthians, say amen. That's only two people. Say amen if you're there. Amen. amen. That's now four people. Good. So we're doing better. Okay. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Verse 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them, and has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Bow your heads with me and let us go to God for a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for you. We give our hearts to you. We pray, God, that as we open your word and preach and share and just teach this morning, God, that some light would be turned on and someone would say, I want to know God like that. I want to be more of an effective witness for God. So, Holy Spirit, do your work of convicting as you continue to do in my life and the leadership of this ministry. We love you. And it's about you, so we give you praise, honor, and glory. And if there be one that's not yet a disciple, a devoted follower, or even a follower, draw them as a result of your word. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen and amen. Now, um, as I stated, we've been on this issue of radical discipleship for quite some time, to be pointed. It's about six weeks now we've been talking about this. And um, we're going to be in this vein for like, because I really want it to, to permeate your heart and permeate your spirit so we can understand who God has called us to do. The big idea of what we're really communicating and talking about is just this, that as believers, we are commissioned to go and make disciples for Christ. I would love for you to interact with me, and if you don't mind repeating this statement to me, let's read it on the count of three together, out loud, okay? One, two, three, go for it. As I don't believe you. I really don't believe you. Yeah, you don't sound convinced. One more time. Three, as believers, we are commissioned to go and make disciples for Christ. Amen. Good, good. I want, I want that to get into our heart because I think the church has deviated some. And as we talk about what discipleship is and making disciples, that we can really get our arms around this and understand what that means. So keep your finger or your tab in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and back up with me to Matthew chapter 28. Let me briefly review what we shared on last week, and then we'll get to um, the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, to talk about that so you can kind of hear what that is all about. Okay, so Matthew chapter 28, and look with me, um, verse 16. I'll read that through 20, and then we'll talk about that briefly. It says here in verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Now we begin, uh, we picked up this passage a little bit last week and spoke about it. So here's some things that I want to review um, by way of the passage so you can kind of get a feel of what it's talking about. The first thing we shared with you last week was this truth, that Jesus conquering the grave provides the believer with the authority needed to establish God's kingdom on earth. When you listen to Matthew 28, here is how it opens up. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth, okay? Not some authority, but all authority. And what the point is trying to communicate is not that Jesus did not already have authority over the enemy's kingdom or the demonic realm. He already did, but by virtue of the fact that he emerged from the grave on the third day uh, morning, what he did was he diffused the impact that the enemy can actually have on his kingdom. And what I want you to hear this morning is that that authority now has been transferred to you and it's been transferred to me. Come on, say amen if you believe that. That, 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 that now we have, I have, you have what is necessary to work with God in establishing God's kingdom on earth. Now, he could have done it without you, he could have done it without me, but he chose to allow us the privilege of partnering with him, so we have now the opportunity to work alongside to be who God would have us to be. So here's what that means. His resurrection, it granted him authority over Satan's domain. So when he emerged from the grave, he emerged with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. We spoke about that. And then the result of his authority is that now his kingdom what we experience in heaven, like Matthew 6 says, can also be realized in the earth realm because of his resurrection. Come on, say, because of the resurrection. No, say it like you mean it. Say, because of the resurrection. Very, very important. So here's what this means secondly, and this is where I think we missed it sometimes. So God's kingdom now is established when I understand, when you understand when the church of God understands that we have been commissioned by God to make disciples of all people. So very, very important, okay? So here's the thing. He got up from the grave. He has all authority. And he commissioned the 11 disciples who were there at the time to go make disciples. And I think the, you and I being here and people who are worshiping in churches across the world on this day or whatever day they worship, they are a direct result of what the disciples went out to do. So what Jesus is saying to you, that I am commissioned, you are commissioned to make disciples, and my concern is I am not sure that we understand the truth that we're commissioned by God. You get what I'm saying? Come on, y'all. I don't, I don't know that we get that. I want to talk about that. And as it relates to us being commissioned, uh, what we said last week, the truth exists that the target of our commission is to approach all people to enable them to become disciples of Christ. 
Very, very important point. Very, very important point. Because here's how uh, it sounded this morning. We kind of spoke about that. When Jesus left his home in glory to die on Calvary, he did not go to Calvary to die solely for the Jewish people. Come on, y'all. Because had, had that been his sole objective and his sole focus, I would not have an opportunity to the throne of grace because I am not of Jewish descent. And the majority of you in here would not have had that opportunity because the majority of us are not of Jewish descent. So I thank God that his, his reach was all people. Come on, y'all. Say all people. I mean, that's my song and dance. That's, I think God has really made me that way. And let me tell you the reason I want, I want that to get into our spirit is because as we go out to make disciples, I shared a little bit last week about this. As we go out to make disciples, our target is whoever is in the way of the proclamation of the gospel ought to hear the truth that God loves them. Regardless of what they look like, red, yellow, black, white, it doesn't matter if you are a person alive on the face of the earth, the church is sent to you. Oh my gosh. Come on, say amen. The church is sent to you. So the church is the target. So here's how we make disciples. Here's what the process said, right? Um, it says, let me read that so I don't mess it up. Notice what it says. Go therefore, verse 19, and make disciples of all nations. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now here's the connection between everything that you're seeing all around this facility and the thing that we're trying to drive home. The process of discipleship involves creating places for people to belong, which means... We baptize them in the name of the Father, Sons, and Holy Spirit, which means incorporating them into fellowship. So we're inviting people to connect, to belong, um, not so much to Restoration Christian Fellowship, more than it is to the family of God. Are you hearing me? To the family of God. We create places for them to belong, and then we teach them to believe in God. You get what I'm saying? The, the whole goal is to get them to the place where they establish personal relationship with God, and then thirdly, we train them to behave like Christ. If you look at Jesus' example with the 12 disciples, when he came on the earth, he called Peter, he called James, he called John, and he called Andrew, and he called um, Matthew, he called Bartholomew, he called Judas, he called them all. Here's what he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? So he connected with them by creating a place to belong. Then he taught them to believe in God. He would teach them the word of God, which grew their belief, and the more they heard about him, the more they, they understood him, and the more they connected with him. But it was not just about belonging and believing. He sent them out to act like him. He sent them out to behave like him. He sent them out to incarnate Christ in the earth realm. So what I want you to get, if you say, Pastor Felix, how does Restoration Christian Fellowship make disciple? Well, we connect people. We create places for them to belong. We grow them to believe in God, and we create opportunities for them to behave like Christ. Now, I'm going to say this for free because we'll talk about this in the upcoming weeks. You're the ones that need to be doing that. 
I know y'all are, I'm leading church. Because <laughs> this, this is our framework. Well, the preacher, isn't that your job? No, no, no. My job is to teach you what God is saying to do, and your job is to go out and do it. Oh, come on, everybody say man, Yeah. My job is to teach you how to believe what to do, and your job is to go out and do it. Very, very important. So imagine if, if every person here finds people and teach them to belong and grow them to believe and teach them to behave. Imagine what could happen in our city. Imagine what can happen in our neighborhoods. Imagine what can happen in our families. You get what I'm saying, right? So, so here's what that looks like. If we're commissioned to go and make disciples and God is sending us out, my takeaway for today in, is that when you hear the term, I am commissioned, I want you now to see your commissioning as the fact that you are now an ambassador for Christ. Come on, say amen, y'all. I want you to see yourself as an ambassador for Christ. And this is where this passage in Corinthians come in. So flip over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's talk about that. And we'll share a few minutes digging into this and seeing what Paul is saying into the church at Corinth so we can hear and understand what God is saying. So let me read um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I trust you have your Bibles open so we can read to that. If you're there, let me just hear you say amen. amen. Good. Look at what verse 17 says. Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5 opens up like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He or she, it says, is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Verse 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled him, us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is, this is free. This is not even in, in the notes of the thought process. I am a minister of reconciliation. That just sounds deep. And what you do, I'm a minister of reconciliation, man. <laughs> Imagine that, right? I mean, that just hit me like a ton of brick. I'm here to help you get right with God. Oh, y'all, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that line. The holler. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're ministers of recreation. Look at what it means. Okay, look at what it means. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting there, meaning people's trespass against them, and has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. A couple of things I want to walk through. Okay, now, here's what this means. Now, being made new in Christ, this is literary context because I really want to talk about verse 20, so this is just setting the stage. Being made new in Christ, it obligates me, let me, let me own this, it obligates me as a believer to spread the good news that others can be reconciled to Christ regardless of their past. Oh, somebody please say amen. Because when you think about it, the thing that keeps people from coming to God is their current state and their current predicament and their current situation and their current circumstance and they don't feel they measure up so that God don't really love them, right? I can't come in there because here's what they say. If I come in there, the church will burn down. 
Come on, you've heard that. I know I have. Come on, y'all. Are you with me? But, but here's what we want them to get, that because I am made new in Christ, it obligates me, it obligates you to spread the good news that everybody has an opportunity. We can all be reconciled to Christ. So here's three things, and then we're going to walk to number one. You need to know we have been made new in Christ. Okay, let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you what that means. It, the text opens up, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it says in my translation, he is a new creation or a new, he's been made new again. Here's what that means. Here's what that means in English. Who I am today is not who I was yesterday. And as it relates to the kingdom of God, there is no heavenly way you can connect me to my past. Because when God looks at me, he doesn't see what I did yesterday. He sees who I am in him. Come on, two people fool me. Somebody say, man, this is good news. You kind of get what I'm saying? Because I simply wish, I simply wish that, that my spouse, my wife, my family, my kids, my brothers, my sisters would understand this concept because what happens is we blow it and human beings want to connect us to our yesteryear. You get what I'm saying? And the reason the world is afraid to come into the church is because they know how they failed yesterday. They knew how they blew it. They knew what they did. And their concern is, if I come in, you're going to hold me accountable for what I did. What this verse says is that if I'm in Christ, guess what? I'm a new... I wish all y'all, y'all got to get this. Here's that word creation. It's the Greek word tissus, right? And listen to what that word literally means. It means... It's the same word that's transliterated from the Hebrew word in the Old Testament where it says, in the beginning, God created what? That Y'all notice, come on, created what? The heavens and the earth. Here is what did not happen in Genesis chapter 1. God did not take an already existing earth, crush it, destroy it, and start over. He took nothing. Oh, I wish I had something. And then he took that nothing, and the Hebrew word barar is used, and he spoke into that thing, and out of nothingness, newness emerged, right? So in, in 2 Corinthians 5, the same concept is used with the Greek word tissus. It means to take nothing and to make something out of the nothing. So listen to this. If anyone in, is in Christ, he is something because he used to be nothing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He used to be nothing. So here's what. The nothingness has gone. And the newness has come. So when Jesus looks at me, he doesn't see the old Felix. I wish we had eyes like Christ. Come on. When he looks at you, he doesn't see the old you. He doesn't see the old drug dealer. Come on. The old adulterer, the old liar. He doesn't see the old fornicator. Come on. Somebody, you know I'm talking about you. He doesn't see who we used to be, but he sees us covered by his blood. The old is gone. The problem is it's the enemy's job to fool you into thinking you're still the old you. And man, is he not good at it? He's good at it. Come on, y'all. He's good at it. So let's say God delivered you from alcohol and you driving down Colfax and you just, your liquor store on the right and something, everything in you, come on, look left, and you just see, you, <laughs> that's not who you are. 
You have been made new. So here's what that means. This new identity now is brought about because of the reconciliatory act of God on Calvary. Let me tell you what that means. On, before Calvary, we were enemies of God. We were at enmity with him. By default, we were going to hell. I mean, we were not one with God, but what he did is he went on Calvary, and where I should have been the one on that cross, he died in my place to make it right with me. Here's the depth of what that's saying. I didn't have to do nothing. Jesus paid it all. Oh, come on. This is where I love the old hymn that says Jesus paid it all, all to him. I owe. Sin, it says, has left a crimson stain, but his blood has washed it white as snow. Imagine this. You know, you have somebody who wronged you, and you're waiting for them to make it right, but they're unable to make it right. So here's what you do. You go make it right for them and develop the relationship. That's what God did for us. He reconciled. He brought us back into right standing with him. And I love this. Let me not even go back up there yet. And, and the result of my reconciliation is I have an obligation now. Oh, my goodness. I have an obligation to go tell folk what God did for me, he can do for you. Oh, come on. See, this is where, this is where, this is where we get super spiritual as a church, this is where the body of Christ gets super spiritual. We act like we hadn't done anything. We act like we were born saved. We act like we came out of our mother's womb, holy, righteous, sanctified, Holy Spirit filled. No, 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 no. Some of us have done some crazy things. Children out of wedlock, shacking up, drugs, alcohol, come on, cocaine, you name it. We've done it all. And what God is saying in this passage, if I can love you and bring you in, you now go tell somebody who's where you were that I can love them and bring them in. Come on, is this making sense? So I'm a minister of reconciliation, meaning I have an obligation. I have a case, Jeremiah used to say this way, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I have a case of can't help it that when I see people, it doesn't matter who the people are or what the people look like. If their state is not where God would have them to be, I have an obligation to say to them, God loves you and he can fix that. And then I also have an obligation to say to them, no, 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 you don't try to fix it because you're incapable of fixing it because had you been able to fix it, you'd have fixed it already. But because of your inability to deliver yourself, God says, come with all your mess. Come with all your filth. Come with all your stench. Come with all your sins. And he's going to make it right. See, our evangelism is messed up because here's what we do. Fix it first, then come. No, come up in here with your pants down to your ankles. Come in here with your skirts too short. See, y'all not ready for that. Come in here smelling like alcohol. Come in here high. Oh, y'all ain't ready for this. You ain't ready for this. Because you still want them to be fixed first, then come. Come as you are. We don't care if you just got out. Come. 
Because who you are used to be me. Come on, holy folk, just fool me for a little while. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? We all, we all, this is why I'm saying we all have a past. Our stories might not be similar, but it's a story. And if God is able to bring us out, he now has given you and he's given me the ministry of reconciliation to let people know that God is in the world reconciling the world to themselves. In other words, making friends with enemies. Wow. The reason he can do that is because he defeated death. He took authority over the enemy. So here's what he's doing. He's going into the enemy's camp, and he's taking the enemy's folk out the enemy's camp and putting them in his kingdom. Here's the catch. He can do it without us, but he wants to use us to do it. So ask yourself, this is for you, ask yourself, when was the last time you infiltrated the enemy camp and came out with prisoners of war? Or you only been fishing in the camp of the kingdom. <laughs> Let that go. Amen. Y'all with me? I want y'all to come back. Amen. <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing. Being charged to spread the message of reconciliation means that as believer, I am Christ's ambassadors or I am an ambassador for Christ. Now repeat that to me. Say, I am an ambassador for Christ. One more time. Say, I am an ambassador for Christ. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Okay? I, I really want us to get this. I really want us to understand what ambassador means. So I have done some work, and um, here's what the definition of an ambassador is. Now, um, this is not so much Webster, even though it aligns. This is um, literally from doing the Greek work on the word ambassador. Um, presbuo is the Greek word that's used. And here's what it literally means in the literal sense. When he says we are ambassadors, this is what it's talking about. To function as a representative of a ruling authority. Secondly, one who is sent to bring a message and then, in quote, to negotiate. Look at the third one. An accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. I like that one, right? When you look at these terms, this is who you are. This is who I am. This is what Paul is communicating to the church at Corinth when he says we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. This is what Jesus was implicitly saying when he said, go and make disciples. I am now commissioning you, and I am sending you as ambassadors into the world. Now, the reason Jesus could say that is because these statements are true of who he was with his mission in the earth. Look at the first one. Okay, as an ambassador, Christ came and he functioned as a representative of a ruling authority. So notice what he did when it was on the earth. Everything I do, I only do what my Father in heaven 
tells me to do. So he, he made it clear that I am sent, okay, I'm sent. And then notice the second thing, I was sent to bring a message. So here's what he says, I didn't come for the well, but I came for the sick and to bring sinners to repentance. Matter of fact, he puts it this way in Luke 19, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save which was lost. And I love the phrase negotiation because when you think about it, it wasn't like he had to negotiate with the devil for our salvation. No, no, no. Wasn't much negotiating going on. But the fact is that he fixed it so that you and I now have access to God. Now, the important thing that I want you to understand is that he was an accredited diplomat sent by one country, which is heaven, to a foreign country, which was earth. Y'all get that? I want y'all to get that. I want y'all to get that. I want you to get that. Because notice what he's saying. He, he, he was accredited because remember, the whole time he was on the earth, the scribes and the Pharisees wanted to know, who is this Jesus? And here's what he's saying. I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Look at the miracles. Remember when John the Baptist got captured? John says, is this the Jesus or should we look for another? Is this the accredited one? And here's what he says. Look at what I'm doing. Look at the signs. You know I am sent from God. And here's what he's saying. I was sent from one country as an official representative to a sinful earth to set up my domain. Now, here's what I want you to hear. You and I meet those same criteria by virtue of the fact that we are in Christ. We're new. The presence of God lives within us, right? So that means now, we now are sent by representatives. You get Matthew 28 now. Go and make disciples. You get 2 Corinthians 5, okay? And our job is to send a message or to tell sinners what God did for me, he can do for you. Oh, come on, y'all. Come on, come on. Say amen. Yeah. That's the message. Now, this is the part I want y'all to get. As an accredited diplomat, we are sent by a country as its official representative into a foreign country. This is the part I want you to get. This is the part I want you to get. This is the part I want you to get. Because here's what happens. The moment you accept Christ in your life as personal Lord and Savior, you change your place of residence. On earth, you are a resident alien because you've become a citizen uh, uh, come on, come on. I need two folk. You're a citizen of heaven. So here's what that means. You got a new passport. Didn't even know it. <laughs> Does this make sense? I am now a citizen of heaven. So because I live in heaven spiritually and I reside on earth, I am sent from heaven to work in earth to make residence for God. Come on. Y'all getting this? Come on, shake your head. Let me make sure y'all getting this. Okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me show you this. Let me show you this. So you're a diplomat. So look at what it is. So number three, as an ambassador, our being an ambassador, that means we now have diplomatic immunity to infiltrate the enemy's camp with the message of the gospel. Oh my gosh. Let me, I'm almost there. Here's what diplomatic immunity means. The privilege of exemption from certain laws and taxes granted by diplomats by the country in which they're working. 
Keep that in mind. Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven where? So I am taking the authority that I have on earth, even though you're residents of heaven, and I am vesting you that authority. So wherever you go on earth, you have diplomatic immunity. I did some work, I did some work, I did some work. I noticed that there's 177 embassies with diplomats just in the Washington, D.C. area alone, okay? Yeah, that's a lot, that's a lot. So knowing me, I looked at the list, and, and I wanted to see if, if the country that I'm from, where I was born, is on the list. Len, did you know there's a Guyanese embassy in D.C.? Didn't know that. Say, I didn't know, Pastor. Say, thanks for telling me. Don't pretend like you do. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. Don't be lying up in church. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, so I realized that, that even there's a Guyanese embassy in, in, in the D.C. I was born in Guyana, South America, raised in the Virgin Islands, and came here. Now, now here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want you to see. Here, here's what all these 177 countries have, is that they take a diplomat, and they send them to the United States to live or function within the embassy to represent the country from which they came from. Okay? So now, while they're here, they don't have to become citizens, but they can function as if they are. You kind of get what I'm saying? Immunity. So, so here, they, they, they kind of walk around in, in the U.S. with um, M.C. Hammer chapter 1, verse 1, right? And here's what it says in case y'all don't know. M.C. Hammer 101, can't touch this. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> They're exempt. They're exempt. You kind of get what I'm saying? And, and the reason I'm going through all that, I want you to hear me say to you that God has entrusted the same thing with you and with me in the enemy's kingdom that the enemy can't touch you. Oh, come on, come on, come on. He can't touch you. And so here's what this looked like. You're in the earth, but you're a citizen of another world. Now, let me give this illustration. I remember, I remember, I remember several years ago, I went on a mission trip to Peru. And so while I was in Peru, um, I was in church. They called me to the platform, went up to the platform. I was doing music, went to play my bass. And in the church, um, my passport was stolen from the diplomats in church, you know, <laughs> It was stolen. So I crisis panic, and I'm like, man, how am I going to get out of this country? Um, and, you know, panic steps in. And then somebody says to me, hey, go to the U.S. Embassy. Really? Yeah. And so if you've ever been to a third world country, um, everybody's trying to get out of that country, right? So the lines to the embassy, they're like 12 days long. I mean, they're like super, super, they're long, they're long. That's a little exaggeration, but they're long lines because everybody's trying to get out. So the driver pulls up with me, and I'm looking this, at this line, and it goes from here to downtown Denver. And I'm like, man, by the time I make it through that line to the embassy, the trip would be over, and y'all going to leave me, I'll be stuck. And here's what they say, no, 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 no. You don't have to stand in the line. You have diplomatic immunity. I'm like, really? They say, yeah, man, you're a citizen, and that's the U.S. Embassy. So I say, how does this work? You just got to walk through the line. I'm like, really? Please. Here's me. I'm just, excuse me, American. Excuse me, excuse me, I'm American. Excuse me, excuse me, I'm American. Y'all not hearing me, all right? 
And, and folk look on me and they're saying, ¿Qué pasa? Me say, ¿Tú tienes un problema o no? I say, no, Dios te bendigo, amiga. And I'm just like, you know, excuse me, I'm American citizen. And I'm walking through the line all the way to the gate. And when I got to the door, all I had to do was say, identify yourself, American citizen. Here's what they say, let him in. I had diplomatic immunity. And God is doing the same thing. Here's what he's doing. He, he, he has all of us who have come to a relationship with him, diplomats, ambassadors. And here's what he wants us to do. Wherever we go, an embassy ought to be established for people that are trying to get out of the sinful country. I need somebody in here. They have access. Y'all not hearing me. They have access. They just got to get to the embassy. But here's what you don't realize. Because you don't know you're a diplomat and because you don't know you're an ambassador, you go to work and you forget to set your embassy up. Wherever you are, there ought to be an embassy where you're granting diplomatic immunity to sinful people who want out of that country to make it to heaven. But the church got folks standing in a 12-day line. And we're not letting people through because there's no embassy set up. Can't find one in Green Valley. Can't find one in Denver. Can't find one in Parker. Can't find one in Highlands Ranch. And here's what the embassies look like. Certain big buildings like this that folk got to come to on a Sunday morning. And so the world has fooled themselves. If I want out, I got to come here. And when I go to work Monday, I set my embassy up because I'm a doggone diplomat. When you go to work, you're setting your embassy up. Because you're a diplomat and you're an ambassador for Christ. And wherever you exist, he has sent you from heaven into this foreign country to work with him to seek and to save the lost. But we don't get what going and make disciples are. So we just go to work. What you do, man? I just wait for my time to be up so I can go home. <laughs> when you go to work Monday, try saying, I'm, a, I'm an ambassador. Well, ambassador to what? I'm a minister of reconciliation, man. You want out? You got spiritual beliefs? Who's Jesus to you? I can help you out of this. I can get your passport re-stamped with a new citizenship. One last thing and I'm done. Being from Guyana, I don't know if you noticed this, Lynn, but being from Guyana, um, when I came from Guyana to St. Lucia with my parents, which is an island in the Caribbean, from there to um, St. Croix, um, St. Croix is a U.S. territory, which hence you see my passion for the Caribbean. Um, my parents got naturalized, and I joined the military, so I had to get naturalized as well. So in joining the military to become naturalized, I had to um, get a U.S. citizenship. So what U.S. citizenship did was it granted me a U.S. passport, which y'all know how that works. It gives you the immunity just about anywhere in the world, right? And so I have this passport and I have this dual citizenship thing going on. So here's what that looks like. My wife and I love to travel and we travel all over the country. And so um, we took a trip down to St. Lucia, going down towards South America to visit an aunt of mine. And when we got to the airport, first time we'd ever experienced this, we got to the airport 
And the guy said, present your passport, please, right? And I gave him my passport, and he saw it was a U.S. passport. So he says, oh, you're American. I said, yeah. Then he looked at the passport, country of birth, and it says Guyana. And then he said, looked at me, and he says, oh, born in Guyana? Yeah. And then he says this, welcome home. Come on in. So my wife's turn was next. She got up to the line. He took her passport. Oh, you're a citizen, huh? Yeah. Flipping. Oh, born in the U.S. How much money you got? This is how it went. I was allowed in. She was stopped and had to do a different level of negotiation before she could even get in because it wasn't home for her. There's going to be a whole lot of folk that's going to get to the gate of heaven. And, and, and the question is going to be, can I see your passport? And then we're going to open it up and they're going to say, oh, born on earth. Okay. But you're still a citizen of earth. If your passport isn't stamped citizen of heaven, Y'all tracking with me? So I'm saying that to say this. Here, here it is, and I'm done. As ambassadors, we can set up embassies to stamp passports while we're still here. And if we're not doing our work of stamping passports and helping people establish heavenly citizenship, when Jesus returns, we're going to have to give an account for that. Create places for them to belong, teach them to believe in God, grow them to behave like Christ. Let's stamp some passports. Are you with me? Let's stamp some passports. Bow your heads with me. Worship team, come on. Bow your heads with me. Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're gracious. We are ambassadors, God. And you've entrusted us with great authority over the demonic realm. Satan has nothing on us, God. But we're here to work with you. Forgive us, God, for missing it. Refocus us, God. As the mission is being executed, vision is being realized, make disciples, God. I pray for every person here, God, if their passport is not stamped, that they would say, I want to know God like that. And then if there are those here that already know you and you've rekindled the flame, teach us, God, to work with you, telling a lost and dying world who you are and that you came to seek and save the lost. So we give ourselves to you, God. We give this word to you. We give this experience to you, that you be glorified in it all. Thank you for growing us deeper. Thank you for challenging us. Forgive us for missing you, God, as we give this all to you. In your name we pray. Amen.